Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Turning your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, uh, to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 14. Uh, the book of Mark. I know that some of you are familiar uh, with the Bible, but there's many of you that aren't, and the Bible's new to you like so many others in the church today. And so the book of Mark is in the New Testament uh, section of the Bible, and it's the second book of the New Testament, and it's one of the great gospels. And we're going to read a portion of scripture today uh, as we continue our, our summer speaker series. Last week, Pastor Casey was here from City of God, L.A. How many of you guys enjoyed Pastor Casey? Did a great job, a few of you. Um, or either that you don't think he did a great job. He's probably watching right now and his feelings are hurt. How many of you guys saw him and thought he did a great job? Okay, that's better. Uh, but we're going to be having some guest speakers next week. You don't want to miss. We're going to have another uh, great communicator here communicating the word of God with us. And today I just want to continue. Um, and I want to speak specifically to, I believe, uh, what I just talked about a moment ago, what I believe really uh, is one of the great answers uh, for all the things that are happening in our nation. And this is something that you can walk right out of the doors today and carry with you. And um, it, it really is about the cross of Jesus Christ. It really is. I believe with all my heart the same answer that was good enough to over 2,000 years ago is the same answer that's good enough today. And it's, 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 it's discovering Jesus, knowing Jesus, and following the plan that Jesus has for our life, both individually, but also as a biblical community. And uh, so we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, for those that might be checking it out, um, wondering if we have a youth program, we do have a great youth program, but for the summer, uh, all the young people are staying in here with us or they're helping out uh, in some of the various areas of ministry. Um, but we also do have a great uh, youth program happening on Friday nights, and you can find out more about that on our website or uh, by talking to one of the greeters or someone at the info desk. Mark chapter 14, uh, we're going to start in verse 43. And uh, what's taking place right now? is uh, Jesus is about to be betrayed by one of his own uh, named Judas. And uh, Jesus has just now sat down uh, with what we know today as the Lord's Supper. It's the Last Supper with the disciples. And uh, they have just shared a meal together. And after sharing this meal together, uh, Jesus wants to go out and pray. And uh, there's just a peculiar part in this passage to me that I want to point out today and speak from today, and hopefully it ministers to you so here they are now, they've, they've had this supper, they've been praying in the garden, and as they're praying in the garden, verse 43 says, while he, that's Jesus, was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly, uh, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived with him, uh, was a mob, with swords and clubs from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. His betrayer had given them a signal. The one I kiss, he said, he's the one. Arrest him, take him away under guard. So when they came, he went right up to him. That's Judas going up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And then they took hold of him and arrested him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to them, have you come out with swords and clubs as though I were a criminal? To capture me. Every day I was among you teaching in uh, the temple complex, and you didn't arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all seized him, or excuse me, deserted him, and ran away. Verse 51. Now a certain young man 
having a linen cloth wrapped around his naked body, was following Jesus. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Let me read that last verse again, because this is the peculiar verse. Why is this verse tucked in, this one verse tucked into Scripture? And I think it has so much to speak to us today. Now a certain young man, having a linen cloth wrapped around his naked body, was following Jesus. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, we thank you that your word points to your son, Jesus, that your word points to the answer. And so, God, I pray that this morning as we gather together as a biblical community, uh, that, Lord, you would speak through this great word, that you would speak to us and bring clarity in these times that we need them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Just, just a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to my oldest daughter, Cara. She's a ballerina. And I had the opportunity to go to her recital. She has one recital every year, and it always falls around the same time in June. And it's like the big production for her whole dance studio. And so twice a week, she's in the dance studio learning dances and learning techniques and growing in that. But, but then once a year now, she has an opportunity to come up on a stage with so many other dancers and put what she's learned uh, on display for everyone to see. And I, I, was, I was sitting there watching her, and she's doing an amazing job, and they have these beautiful outfits on, and um, the different dances are coming, and she did her two different dances. It was just beautiful. I was reminded of a recital I had to do. Now, don't start thinking ballet, okay? <laughs> but I was reminded of, because you don't want to picture this pastor in any kind of ballerina clothes, all right? But I was reminded of a time when I had to do a recital. I, I took piano in college, and um, I, I took lessons when I was little from my mom. How many of you guys know that learning something from your parents is not the easiest thing in the world, right? And so she taught me when I was younger, but at some point, like at age 11, I just kind of bailed on it. And I wanted to revisit that. And so in college, I signed up for a piano class, and, and I just really wanted to get some more technique and learn some stuff. And I remember about halfway through the semester, the instructor turned to me, and she goes, are you going to be ready for your recital? And I said, what? <laughs> What do you mean recital? She said, oh, yeah, your grade is solely based off of your recital. And I was like, well, I didn't know this was like that. I just wanted to learn. So she said, no, you got to do recital. And I said, okay, so is it just going to be like me reciting in front of you? And she said, no, you've got, people have got to be there. And so I'm really nervous at that point. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to do recital. And so I'll never forget, I did Amazing Grace on the piano. Come on, somebody. Now, I was going to practice really hard and do that for you this morning, but then I decided not to. But... Um, I remember I was so nervous. I, I all semester long was learning techniques and taking piano piano lessons, and, 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 and there came this one moment that what I learned had to be put on display. What I learned had to be done, not just in the, the secrecy of, of, of a classroom with the instructor, not just in the privacy of my own house, but I had to play amazing grace in front of all these people because a good teacher, come on somebody, wants to see what you've learned. Are you with me? I want you to know something that as we continue to follow Jesus Christ, as we continue to attend church and we allow the word of God to feed us and sustain us and, and we get taught by the word and we grow in the word and uh, many of you attend your small groups throughout the week and, and you're learning and you're growing, there is going to be opportunity for you to put on display the grace of God that has been working inside of you. 
Matter of fact, not only is there going to be opportunity, but God is one of the best teachers in the world. There is actually going to be a demand on that which has been invested inside of you. There is going to be moment and opportunity after, call it a recital if you want. There is going to be moment after moment where the grace of God that has been working in you is going to have to be on display working through you. Amen? And this morning in Mark chapter 14, I see something very peculiar. One verse about a young man, the Bible says, was following Jesus. Now, we don't, we don't really know who this young man is. The Bible doesn't bring any great clarity to who the young man is, just that there was a young man following Jesus, and as he followed Jesus, there was an opportunity and there was a moment for him to have on display, come on, are you with me this morning, would have been worked in him. Now, although we don't really know who this young man is, there are two different theories at work. Some theologians believe that the young man was, was the disciple Mark himself. And that this great feast that they just had was actually hosted at Mark's house. That Mark went and made preparations for this, what we know as the Last Supper. And all the disciples gathered together in Mark's home and, and they would share this meal together. And, and after the meal was, was done, that, that Mark didn't go out with the rest of the disciples to pray, but that he stayed back to take care of duties at the house after the supper. And it was while he was taking care of these duties and he got done that he would go lay down in his own bed. Falling asleep in his own bed, he would hear the chaos that was taking place outside. Wanting to know what was taking place, he just grabbed the sheet that he was laying in and, and he ran down the steps and ran outside to where, where all this chaos was taking place. And there he saw Jesus, his Lord, his Savior, being taken away. And so he wanted to know what was taking place, so he began to follow. But as he began to follow, people recognized. People saw, and so they seized him. And in that moment, Mark had to make a decision because he probably realized that the same future that awaited Jesus probably awaited him as well. Other theory is this, is that it wasn't Mark at all. That it was actually the gardener, because they were in the garden. The gardener had gone to bed and he was resting in his bed, and as they went out and they began to pray in the garden, that the gardener was awoken, and he would sat there, and he, he kind of listened to them praying, and then all of a sudden the commotion began to build. So now concern for his property, concern for his garden, that, that he did the same thing that if it was Mark, that Mark did, that he wrapped the sheet around himself, and he, he ran outside to discover what was taking place. And out of curiosity, not out of devotion, but out of curiosity, he began to follow Jesus, wondering where they were taking him. But out, out of that curiosity, it, it led him a little ways, but they saw him thinking that he must be with him as well, and so they seized him. And in that moment of desperation, he, he flung loose the sheet, and he began to ran for his life. Ladies and gentlemen, whether or not it was Mark, a devout disciple, or whether it was a gardener, someone that was following Jesus out of curiosity, we come to the same conclusion that as you follow Jesus, if you follow Jesus long enough, it will lead you to the same future. It'll lead you to the same place. It'll lead you to the same fate. In this moment, they had a decision to make. Am I going to continue to follow Jesus, or am I going to stop in this place and flee from him? You say, well, Ben, what was the faith that awaited Jesus? Many of you are here, and you know. Many of you are here visiting, and maybe you don't know. We understand this, that the faith that awaited Jesus was to die on the cross. 
And here's what I've discovered in, in, in my short years of Christianity. Here's what I've discovered in my short years of, of following Jesus, is that as you follow Jesus long enough, you not only find one cross, but you find two. You find the cross that Jesus Christ died on and shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. We read about the, the power of that cross just a moment ago in Galatians 3, 26 to 29, that in Jesus, man, we are one. In Jesus, we are children. In Jesus, there's no race, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no free, there's no slave, there's no male, there's no female. We're just children of God. And at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, man, we find forgiveness, and we find healing, and we find provision, and we find hope, and we find meaning. But somewhere in following Jesus, you realize that when you get to his cross, there's another one, and Jesus actually speaks to it. Jesus actually speaks to his disciples, and he says this in Luke 9, 23. And he said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come with me, listen to it now, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. How many of you guys just love that verse? We love the verses that talk about Christ dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Man, we love the verses about grace and abundant grace. And, but let me tell you something. Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ, is the answer, but it only becomes the answer as we at follow him begin to pick up our cross daily and begin to carry it. See, too many of us have stopped. We found one cross. Jesus, thank you for the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to go about my life now. But as you follow Jesus long enough, you discover what either the gardener or Mark discovered, that there must be a cross for me as well. There must be a cross for me as well. But I want you to notice something. The cross of Jesus and the cross that you and I have are, are completely different. In this regard, you will never have to die on your cross. Are you with me? There is one that died once and for all. His name's Jesus, shed his blood, covered sin, covered humanity. In him we find everything we need. Come on, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. Notice what Jesus said to his disciples in Luke. He didn't say, deny yourself and die on your cross. He said, I want you to deny yourself and I want you to carry your cross. Carry your cross. Carry your cross. He's not looking for anybody else to die on a cross. His sacrifice was complete, was final, and was sufficient. What he's looking for is he's looking for those that have found themselves at his cross to begin to find their cross and begin to pick it up and begin to carry it so that our culture, who so desperately needs him, can find him. Are you with me this morning? See, he doesn't want you to die on the cross. He already did all of that. But you got to understand something. When you choose to deny yourself, see, something you got to understand. There are too many people in our culture, and this is one of the great problems, that we are fighting for our rights. We are, we are fighting for our rights. We're willing to die for our rights. And Jesus is like, you don't have to die for anything. I already did it. And Jesus says, I don't want you to fight for your rights. I want you to deny yourself. I want you to lay down your rights. 
And if we had a, a, a people, if we had a group that was willing to say, you know what, it's not about what I think's best for me, it's about what I think's best for you. If everybody had that going on, come on, somebody. So Jesus is looking for people that are willing to deny themselves. Here's what you got to understand. Man, the cross is the covering. The cross is symbolic. Man, the cross stood in the way of God's wrath. And when you pick up that cross and you carry it, you're still underneath the grace and the love and the mercy and the hope that comes through Christ Jesus. See, what, what separates, what separates, honestly, is this, this, this thought of love. See, we can talk about love. We even sing about the love. He loves us. Should not be in worship. Oh, why are you shaking your head? No. Yeah, he's like, sing it, Pastor Ben. We sing about love. The fundamental problem with that is this, is that, that we all have a different idea of what love is. So, so love really isn't the answer. Spreading love really isn't the answer. Spreading Jesus is. Because we try to spread love, but, but you see, the world's definition of love is self-serving and self-seeking. If it's good for me, it's love. But yet God's definition of love is completely different. It doesn't seek its own. It seeks the best of others. Are you with me this morning? And that's why love as a term is not the answer. I've seen videos all over Facebook now, you know, with everything that happened. And there's people like that have shirts on that says free hugs. You seen those? They're walking around giving out free hugs. Hugs are not the answer. Especially if you have to video it and put it on Facebook and see how many likes you get. Well, that's not love. Jesus is the answer. Because when you're in Jesus, you understand that love is not about me. It's about you. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Good preaching. As you follow Jesus, see, I really believe this is the answer. we got to carry the cross. He's not asking us to die on a cross. He's not asking us to die for our rights, fight for our rights. I used to listen to a song back in the day when I was warming up for basketball. Beastie Boys. See, some of you know where I'm going. I may still listen to it as I'm prepping for my message. You got to fight for your right to love G. No, I didn't. If you follow Jesus, let me just give you a couple things real quickly this morning. Because I really, I really want us as a church to understand that it's not, just, it's not really about these moments. These moments just, just feed us and get us ready for the moments out there. Are you with me? That these moments are so essential and so good. And, man, we worship together and we get fed the word of God. But it's what we do out there that really impacts the world. It's what we do that really brings Christ. Are you with me? We've got to be willing to deny ourselves, demonstrate that for others. We've got to be willing to pick up that cross that he said is there for us. And I believe that this young man, the reason he fled is because he realized, and in fear, the same fate that awaited Jesus. And it's really not that far of a stretch to believe because Jesus himself, up until this point, preached, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. 
And what we learned from this young man today is, is a couple of things. Let me just give it to you real quick. First is this, what we learned. Following Jesus is noticeable. Following Jesus is noticeable. As you follow Jesus, people will notice. They will. They will. You, you can try to hide it, but if you're really following Jesus, people are going to see it. People are going to notice. That's why they seized the young man. It says right in Scripture, and there was a young man following Jesus, so they grabbed him. Why? Because they noticed him following Jesus. Right? Pretty simple. There's a story in the book of Acts, just further on in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, and it's about a, guy, a couple guys named Peter and John, devout disciples of Jesus. And they were, they were preaching and teaching, and the religious leaders didn't like it. And so this is what it says of them. And they, they, they seized them and grabbed them, and they were going to persecute them. They were going to beat them. They were going to put them in prison. Acts 4.13 says this, And when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated and untrained men. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want that written about me necessarily. Right? In other words, I mean, we could rephrase this and realize they were kind of stupid. Listen to it now. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Scripture doesn't get any more plain than that, ladies and gentlemen. Here are two people uneducated and untrained. No, 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 no formal training, no formal education, but they are preaching astounding messages to the public and the religious leaders get upset and say, man, we got, we got to do something about that. They arrest them. And as they question, they realize, how in the world were these guys doing that? They ain't that bright. And they're like, and this is what they associated with. They must have been with Jesus. Why? Because when you follow Jesus, it is noticeable. It is noticeable. It's notice you follow him long enough. It doesn't matter if, if you follow him out of curiosity. It doesn't matter if you follow him out of devotion. As you follow Jesus long enough, it will be noticeable. I'll never forget, just a couple summers ago, we were in Carlsbad, and we're at this little waffle place. It's outside waffle. Anybody ever been there? I don't know the name of it. It's outside waffle place. So good. And we're sitting there, and I was sitting with a couple of friends. And all of a sudden, this guy comes over, and he's like, excuse me? We're like, yeah. He goes, you're a pastor, aren't you? I wanted to say no. Right? I'm like, well, yes, I am. How did you know? He goes, I can just tell. Like, weird. <laughs> and then we carried on this lengthy conversation about God. Why? Because when you follow Jesus, it is noticeable. The second thing I see here about this passage is as you follow Jesus, following Jesus is transformational. It's transformational. Why is it noticeable? Because it's transformational. As you follow Jesus, the reason why it's noticeable on you is because something has changed inside of you. And then let me ask you this. How many of you guys surrendered your heart to Jesus later in your life? Okay. How many of you guys need to surrender to Jesus today? You surrender to Jesus later in your life. And so you have this, this whole history before Jesus. 
And it's like all the people you hung out with before Jesus, you go hang out with them again now, and they're like, are you all right? I'm fine. Why? Because you're just different. What happened? I met Jesus, right? And they're like, who? Like Jesus of the Bible, right? What is it about it? They recognize something different about you. Why? Because as you follow Jesus, it is transformational. Now, it's not like they physically see a cross on your back. Don't do that, please. If you do, tell them you go to a different church than Canvas, right? Tell them you go to the Rock Church. I'm just kidding. Just, they're the biggest church. I can pick on them, right? Don't so it's not about carrying a physical cross. It's about the transformation that has happened inside of you. It's about something that's being reworked and redone in you. It is transformational. Pretty soon, you notice maybe your language even changes a little bit. Not that it's about conformity, but because Christ has done something inside of you, you just talk different. You're acting different. You have more, more grace, more love, more mercy towards others. You have what the world needs. Why? Because it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And he's the answer. It is transformational. Check this verse out. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And they'll help me. They'll help me conclude. They're so good at it. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, it says this. And it's talking about, it's talking about the works of the world and, and what happens in you when you have surrendered to Jesus. And it says this. It says, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with who? I'm going to connect this to another verse here in just a minute. Be filled with who? The Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart, giving thanks always in everything. Well, that's different. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now look what happens. Galatians 5, as the Spirit of God. Now, here's, here it is. Now, the, Galatians 5, 20-26. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. There's sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds. What's happening in our world right now? Hatreds. Strife. Jealousy. Here's another one. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Factions. Envy. Drunkenness. Carousing. And anything similar. Now listen, I tell you about these in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here it is. We read Ephesians, being filled with the Spirit. Now what is the sign of being filled with the Spirit? But the fruit of the Spirit, that's Christ living in us. Here's what it looks like to put the cross on your back. Here's what it looks like, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit, deny yourself, pick up your cross. What does it look like? Is love. Do a word study. It's agape. Love. Joy. Why? Because when there's love, there's joy. Peace. Why? Because when there's joy in the house, there's peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faith. Gentleness. Self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, there it is, with its passions and its desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What happens when you begin to follow Jesus? As you begin to follow Jesus, you discover that there's not only his cross, the cross of forgiveness, the cross of healing, the cross of provision, the cross of grace. But as you follow Jesus long enough, you discover that there's a cross for you to begin to pick up. And it is when we begin to pick up that cross that we begin to see change in our culture, that we begin to see change in our world, that we see less hatred, less strife, less, less outbursts of anger. What do we begin to see? We begin to see the results of carrying the cross of Jesus. What are the results of carrying the cross of Jesus? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faith, it's gentleness, it's self-control. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faith, it's gentleness, it's self-control. Against this, there's no law. Against this, there's no law. Christ is the answer, and we need to begin to pick up the cross, and we need to begin to carry the cross so that our culture, so that our country, so that those around us can begin to see love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for your word. God, your word is good. God, your word is wonderful. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Just go and stand to your feet. We're just going to worship. And as we worship, I want you to reflect. I want you to reflect on Galatians 5, 20 through 26. And I want to ask you this question as we worship. Are you willing today to not just find yourself at the foot of the cross of Jesus, but are you willing to find your cross and begin to carry it so our world could know, come on, the grace, the love, the mercy of Jesus. Amen. Can you, we worship there right now? Let's just, let's just dwell on that for a little bit.